are. So thank you so much for joining. We have another solo episode and today is going to be a fantastic one because it is going to give you an excuse to go and get yourself some new running shoes and it's also going to help you reduce your risk of injury. So I feel like they're the dream things as runners, right? Like we love the tech, we love the gear, we love getting new things, you know, and we also don't like being injured. I think we've had a lot of episodes centered around injuries and reducing injuries. I think it's just, it is inevitable as runners to get injuries. I think we need to sometimes just accept that that is a part of being a runner, a part of being an athlete. But if we can do things to reduce the risk, then why the heck not? Now, obviously this episode isn't going to guarantee that, but what we're going to do is talk about the things that we can do and things that we can change to reduce our injury rate. Now you would have read the episode title. I am talking about how more pairs of shoes can actually stop us from getting injured or reduce the risk. So I guess first thing to know is that Injuries are multifactorial. There is a lot going on when it comes to getting injured and nothing is that black and white. There is, you often hear stories of of people saying, oh, I did this crazy big trail run and and then I got injured or I did this race and I got injured. And there's often like this narrative of like something quite dramatic happening. Like I had someone tell me this actually the other week on a trail run. They're like, oh, like she did this ultra marathon and her fat pad was gone. It blew up. And I was like, wow, really? Like, (laughs) did that actually happen? Anyway, uncovered more of the story and it wasn't quite, it wasn't exactly what happened. But I think it's quite interesting. And I guess my perspective as a physio is probably going to be a little bit different to someone who's coming this from a non-physio background. But I think something that probably every runner needs to be aware of and probably most of you are but there is so much involved in an injury and it's never just one thing or it's quite rarely I should say it's very rarely just one thing typically the way a runner gets injured is from overtraining so pretty much all of our injuries are some kind of repetitive stress injury repetitive strain injury so it is that sort of principle of too much too soon which I think is often a bit of a hit to the ego when you're feeling good, you're feeling confident, maybe you're not feeling fatigued or tired, but then you get this injury. And to have me here say, oh, you just did too much, like your body couldn't handle it. It was repetitive stress. It's like, well, hang on, I was feeling good. What do you mean it was repetitive stress? Like I felt great. What are you talking about? And I know that myself, (laughs) I've definitely been in that camp too when I've had injuries. I've just been so frustrated because I'm like, well, I didn't feel like it was too much. Like it felt good. I felt fine. What do you mean? It's an overtraining injury. But I think what we have to consider is just because we feel good and just because we don't have sore muscles, we're still loading our bones. We're still loading our tendons. We're still loading the structures in between our our joints. And just because running feels so good and we get those endorphins doesn't mean that we're not loading our tissue structures. So just about every running injury does come back to too much too soon so doing something that our body wasn't ready to tolerate and that can look a whole lot of different ways it can look like someone who's never run before suddenly starting running for the first time and the classic one is shin splints it's just just about everyone seems to get it when they start running if they go from zero to hero as they say and and so that's probably a bit more of an obvious one do nothing do heaps often more experienced runners they might I guess be building up towards a race and they're going along really well and they're getting closer and closer and as the months tick by they start trying to 
get a bit more training under there, but I'm like, yeah, I can just do an, another run, fit in another run here, fit another run there. And then all of a sudden their training volume grows from running 40 Ks a week to running 80 Ks a week. And that might be sustainable for one week, maybe two weeks. Um, but after a while the wheels fall off and they get injured. So that's probably again, one that, you know, looking at your Strava graph is probably quite easy to see like that big sudden spike in volume, but there's definitely some other ones that we often can miss. And that's things like actual just time on leg. So time on legs, again, you can actually track this on Strava. So I feel like we should be better at this, but I mean, I've got friends who have done this before. I feel like we probably all know someone you've probably done it yourself. You are still running a 50 K week every single week. And it's taking you gosh, I don't know how long it takes, 20 hours, whatever it is. And then you've started changing your training load. And now you're running these like really hard runs that take you a lot longer. So you're doing 50K still, but instead of taking you 20 hours, it's taking you 30 hours. So your actual time on legs has changed quite dramatically. Another one to watch out for is the terrain that you're running on. And this one really caught me out. But consider, do you normally run on flat surfaces and now you're doing heaps of hills? Or are you used to running on really soft sort of like technical trails or um, maybe sand? And now you've just gone to all hard road running. I think the too much too soon principle and sort of repetitive stre- repetitive stress or overtraining often just gets categorized as, oh, too much actual running. Like, did I run 5Ks or did I run 30? But I think we need to take a bit more of a nuanced approach, get that microscope out and delve a little bit deeper and go, well, what does my running actually look like? Am I running more time, more distance? Can I drop back in this to pick up in that? Blah, blah, blah. The body thrives on consistency and variety we do we do need all of it but if we sort of change everything at once or we do heaps more of something that we're not used to we are going to really struggle now don't get that confused for we need to keep everything the same all the time because a lot of what this episode is about is actually about how important variety is in our training so i guess the main part of what you take away from what I've just said is why do runners get injured? The main reason is doing too much that we're not prepared for. So if our body is prepared, we can handle a heck of a lot. Uh, The human body is incredibly adaptable and resilient. And I would say to just about anyone, yes, you can do it. You 100% can do it no matter what your goal is. Obviously, this seems so general, but I really, really, truly think this is the case. You just have to have the patience and the consistency and the time because our body can and will adapt. We just have to give it those things. Patience, consistency, time. Okay, so overtraining, obviously quite obvious. So in fact, myself, I'll give you a little anecdote. I had a stress fracture in September 2021. Oh, 2021. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Quite a while ago now. It feels like it's still very much um, something I'm coming back from, but that's okay. So I, I guess my little story of getting my stress fracture, I feel like I might've mentioned this before. I probably have, but I definitely got caught out there. So typically stress fractures, people do too much training. Obviously there's often other parts of it, nutrition, sleep, um, hormonal things. There's a lot of other parts going on. I'm not going to go into that today, but I actually kept my training volume quite the same and I felt very frustrated when I got that injury because 
I looked at my training and I was like, I'm still running the same volume. I was sort of running anywhere between 90 and like 110 Ks a week. And I was running that pretty consistently. I felt really good. I was sleeping well. I wasn't stressed. I was enjoying my runs. I wasn't pulling up sore, all those things. Everything was feeling great. Um, but what I did change, which was very, very dramatic. And I just completely didn't even think anything of it is the last eight weeks leading up to my stress fracture. I started running my kilometers faster and that might sound really silly. Like Lydia, why did you start running faster? But the reason is because I had previously been doing all my running across a variety of terrains. I'd be running in the bush, on the sand, on the grass, on the concrete, on whatever else you can run on. I really had a lot of variety in my training and I covered quite a bit of different terrain, which was awesome. But I had a knee injury, which again, we won't go into that. Otherwise we'll be here all day. But I had this knee injury, which happened on a run. I landed funny, hurt my knee. And that really changed my ability to run on any trail. So pretty much I had to stop all my trail running. And yes, I probably could have stopped more. But what I found is that if I ran on a straight in a straight line on the concrete and I didn't do any sudden deceleration, I could run. And I was like, you know what? This is awesome. I'm just going to take this opportunity to do heaps of road running, like run a bit faster, enjoy the road, enjoy the flat. And so, of course, that's what I did. And what happened after eight weeks or after five, six weeks, I tore my calf. And then after a couple of weeks after that, I got my stress fracture. So I know that is just one story, but I think for me, looking back, it was such an obvious training mistake that I overlooked. I was very aware of my high risk of getting a stress fracture purely on the on the basis of the fact that I've had a history of bone density issues, um, hormonal troubles. I have PCOS. And what was the other one? Um, oh, being female. I know there's a few things. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely high risk. But I didn't consider the whole going from soft, varied surfaces to all concrete. So not that I'm suggesting concrete causes stress fractures. It definitely doesn't. But my body was not conditioned to running 100 Ks a week on concrete. I'd conditioned to running on a mixture of surfaces. So looking back, I think I can really see that quite clearly. And it's exciting because it means that I can, I've, I've reflected on that and now I can take that into my future training. So I really, as much as probably at the time when you get injured, it can be frustrating, but I really do see injuries as a tool to just improve our ability to cope with all future injuries and and get stronger, mentally more resilient and physically more resilient. So definitely lots of takeaways and super stoked about those learnings. And hence why I'm sharing it with you guys today, because hopefully you can listen and learn from my mistakes and then not make them yourself. Okay, so let's get on to running shoes because I've spoken about uh, training variety and about training surfaces, but let's talk about shoes because I'm hoping that this episode encourages you to get a new pair of running shoes, even though typically I'm a bit more of a minimalist and I try not to own too much stuff. But in the case of, or when it comes to my health, health is super important to me. So if I can improve my health or maintain my health or be more sustainable in my training decisions, then that is something I'm 100% all on board for. Okay, so shoes, do they actually prevent injury? Do they cause injury? I'm going to say no. And then I'm also going to say it depends. I think 
as I said, there's a lot of factors, but primarily runners get injured by overload. And I think if there was one shoe that prevented injuries, then that is just the shoe that would be wearing. Like, I think that's obvious. In saying that, there's also uh, lots of different companies competing for our business. So, you know, different shoe brands are wanting to sell us our shoes. So, of course, they're always going to tell us that there's the next best thing, blah, blah, blah. But there isn't across the literature. There's no one shoe that can prevent our injuries. In saying that, there's definitely different shoes that can help with different sort of niggles or injuries or overuse injuries. So, Again, it's going to depend on what your background is, blah, 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 what your sort of training is. Obviously, some shoes are geared to different terrains, etc. And there is, I should say, definite performance shoes. We've got the tech in the carbon plates now and some really ultralight um, reactive foam, which helps to improve our running efficiency. So, yes, all that exists. But what I'm talking about primarily now is injury prevention. So when we think about our shoes, We can't actually ever have a shoe sort of take away the load. So often people think, oh, if you get a really nice sort of like cushioned shoe, it's going to be less load on my knees and I'm not going to get knee pain. I'm not going to get arthritis, blah, blah, blah. But I think probably the biggest thing to know about shoes is that they're never going to actually remove the load, right? We're still going to go for a run. We're still exposing our body to stress, our tendons, our, when I say our tissue or our body, tendons, muscles, bones, ligaments, um, our, our joint capsule, literally like there's everything is getting exposed to that stress and we can't just get rid of that load. Like if you're going to run, you're going to run. The only thing that we could actually do to reduce our the load on our body and the forces going through our body when we run would be to... Um, actually just lose weight like be lighter because then there's going to be less load but you can't just suddenly change shoes and go oh I now don't actually get any load through my body because you're still going to be exposed to the load but what our shoes can do is they can shift the load so this is sort of like the premise of how um, podiatrists work is they put orthotics I mean I shouldn't say the premise on how they work I mean goodness I'm not podiatrist I don't know but they use orthotics and physios use orthotics too to essentially shift the load in different places. And sometimes it's not just an orthotic. It might be like a little pad under a certain part of the foot or like a little um, donut pad, which we use for certain conditions. Like there's a, a whole bunch of different techniques that we can use. And podiatrists get a bit more, so a lot more specialized in this. But essentially what we're doing is we're just shifting the load around. So same goes for um, foot pads and orthotics running shoes can shift the load around the basic sort of principles are i think probably the easiest ones to speak about is the pitch of a shoe that really changes the way our body accepts load so typically a high pitch shoe so a big heel toe drop so you guys should probably all know what heel toe drop is or shoe pitch or um what else do we call it the offset the shoe offset that's what it's called online um, but the difference between where your heel is and your toe is, uh, typically the higher that is, the more we can deload our Achilles. So my physio perspective would be if someone comes in with an Achilles tendinopathy or even a calf tear, something where you've got an issue at the foot, ankle, or sort of below the knee type area, 
If I give them a high-pitched shoe or put a orthotic in or a heel wedge in, that's going to deload that area. So that's something that we can do as like a nice tool. If someone's got some pain there, we can sort of deload that area. And even if you haven't got an injury there, that could be something that you might use as, ah, oh, like I've got a bit of tightness here or pain or that's an area that I've had injured before. I'm going to wear a shoe with a high pitch to sort of deload that area. But remember what I said, when we deload one thing, we're not actually removing the load, we're just shifting the load. So where does that load go? Typically to our knee. And obviously it's not necessarily just the knee, it can go further up the chain, but typically the higher the pitch, the more we load the knee and the more we deload our sort of foot, ankle, Achilles. Now, conversely, a flat shoe is going to be fantastic to deload the knee. But as you now know, it's probably going to make the foot and Achilles and ankle work a little bit harder. So these are things that I think are just such simple, basic principles that I didn't know when I first started running. I had no idea. I just thought heaps of cushioning, like, let's go for it. And that will heal me of all the possible things. But now I know that they're too sort of really obvious things that we can do or sort of sorry one obvious thing that we can do select a pitch height based on where you're receiving pain where you tend to have niggles where you've had a previous injury or whatever it may be um one other one too that is a good sort of um i guess almost i feel like these are almost like hacks like i don't like to say that there's hacks for runners but i feel like these are some nice basic sort of things that we can do to sort of get us out of trouble. Obviously, overall volume is important and it depends. It's kind of the answer for everything. Um, but yeah, pitch definitely matters. Another one too, um, like plantar fascia pain or plantar fasciopathy, plantar fasciitis, blah, blah, blah. And sort of midfoot like arthritic type pain or uh, plantar plate pain or tears pathologies do tend to go better in a more rigid shoe. So I guess that's another one to consider as well. If you're having some sort of midfoot condition, often a more rigid shoe is going to feel a little bit better, something a bit stiffer. Okay, moving on. Please also remember if you do have any injury, uh, you should go and see a professional because injuries are multifactorial and there's never a magic pill for any injury. And despite the fact that I am a physiotherapist and I work with runners, I cannot really give you individualized advice over a podcast so please 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 go and get an assessment and take that advice as something that you can try out and implement and experiment with and then seek professional advice if you actually have an injury okie doke so moving on we've got some basic tips for how shoes can help but what about actually rotating through our shoes so i guess this is probably the most exciting part of the episode because I'm going to tell you about a research paper that is not super recent. It was done in 2013 and it was a study that had 264 runners and they grouped them into um, multi-shoe wearer people and single shoe wearer people. So I think there was 116 in the single shoe wearers, 148 in the multi-shoe and basically from... um, the research they found that those who had multiple pairs of shoes were 39% um, less injured. So, sorry, 39% fewer injuries during the 22 week study. So, 39% less, so let's just say 40%. That is huge. I think that's a fantastic reason to have more shoes. And I guess what I've just explained about 
um, deloading, offloading. This research is not a surprise because when we think about our shoes, they can all load our feet in slightly different ways. And I've just spoken about the pitch. So loading more the Achilles and the foot or loading more the knee. But there's a lot of other things too, like a wine toe box, a soft shoe, a firm shoe, a carbon plate, um, something with some sort of like firmer medial support, like a stability type shoe, a foam that's got, oh, sorry, a foam, a shoe that's got different density foams. I mean, all shoes have got a few different foams, but some that have got some really reactive foams that are going to sort of push you out of pronation or push you more into supination, etc. There's so much tech now in shoes and our foot is going to, uh, sort of move a little bit differently in all these different shoes. So um, that actual research, I'm just going to read a little quote out of there. They, when they, I guess the findings were that more pairs of shoes, less injuries. And they said their possible explanation would be that the alternation of running shoes induces a variation in the type of physical load applied to the musculoskeletal system which is everything that I've just been speaking about. So, you know, essentially we're stressing the structures in our body in slightly different patterns and slightly different ways every time we run. So the forces that are coming onto our body are getting distributed in different areas at different times. So if we wear a high-pitched shoe on Monday, followed by a flat shoe on Tuesday, rest day on Wednesday, Thursday we've got sort of, you know, somewhere in the middle, Friday we run on a trail, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can do your training week however you like. Um, A stiff shoe, a soft shoe, a medial support shoe, a neutral shoe. We're going to expose our system and our tissues to a real variety of loads. And when we come back to that basic principle of how do runners get injured, overuse okay running is an overuse injury especially endurance running we do the same thing over and over and over and over again you know running looks quite similar basically all the time it's not a sport like basketball where you've got running dribbling shooting there's lots of different components i'm laughing to myself because i don't know the terms for basketball um or even like surfing i can give you some surfy terms now because i am a surfer uh but you know surfing you've got the paddling you've got the pop-up You've got the walking along the beach. Like there's so many different parts. So your body has a real variety of load. But running, it's repetitive. It's the same thing over and over again. So the the muscles, everything in our body, it experiences that same pattern of force every single time. And it gets overloaded quite sort of easily, I guess. So the, the variety of shoes is going to allow us to distribute those forces with more variety and different patterns and stress these structures just a little bit different to help reduce our injury risk. So there's a lot of people who recommend this as well. It's definitely not just myself. Um, I would probably say just about every physio you would ask would be on board with that and podiatrist. I think the only sort of things to remember too, though, is that this is quite general advice and there's not heaps of research on it. So I've just cited one paper. I think there are others as well, but it's not, it's definitely not hard and fast. And as I said, and in fact, I think we spoke about this on our episode with Andy Bryant, who's a podiatrist, um, talking about midfoot arthritis. And often for patients like that, having a really stiff shoe with a higher heel to toe drop, those patients actually go quite well with those stiff shoes. And they're probably going to struggle to get into a less cushioned or a flatter or um, a, oh yeah, I mean, I guess a less cushioned and a flatter shoe 
uh, or a softer shoe, I should say. So I think there's definitely certain conditions where your body's going to tolerate a certain thing much better. And this advice may not be as easy to apply. You know, you might be coming back from a knee injury and you might find that every time you wear a high pitch shoe, your body just can't handle it. So you keep having to go back to your flatter shoes. So definitely please seek advice from a professional, as I said. But I think that this should inspire you to try some new shoes. I know myself, I used to be quite nervous of trying new shoes because whenever I try something new, I'd often pull up a little bit sore. But if we come back to the basic principles I said at the start, our body is not good at doing too much of something that it hasn't done before. So if you get a new shoe, your body is moving in a way that it hasn't done before. So it is not surprising to think that you're going to pull up a little bit sore or a little bit tight, but the body adapts. The body is so resilient. And if you give it a new stimulus, it can adapt to that. So I think, again, those things I said before, uh, patience and time and consistency, if we can have those three things together with whatever new thing we add into our training, we can cope with it and we can adapt to it. We just need patience, time, consistency, etc. So my advice to you to sort of summarize, um, Variety is really good for our body, but we need to expose ourselves to new things in a a conservative sort of patient way. Um, There's definitely probably the two main things that I pay attention to in my week, which is pitch. So a flat shoe compared to a high pitch shoe. They're the ones that I notice the most difference in. The other things are like how much cushioning there is. Um, Is it a carbon plated shoe? Is it a heavy shoe? Is it a light shoe? Um, They're sort of the main ones that I'm looking out for. Um, okay, so I'm now going to just go through what I'm wearing at the moment to give you a little bit of an idea. So shoes, I mean, everyone's going to have different things they wear. I actually haven't bought any new shoes for a little while. So I've got a lot of old shoes. So you guys are probably going to hear this and be like, oh, Lydia, you're running in some really old shoes. But I, yeah, I really like all the shoes that I'm running. In. So at the moment, um, I am running in on the road because I'm sort of broken this up into my road shoes, my trail shoes, then sort of like my performance shoes and then my everyday shoes. So on the road, I wear the Mac 5s. They're like my current absolute go-to. I just love them so much. Um, and I, yeah, I wear them all the time. So they are a five mil offset. So probably most of Hocker shoes are actually five mil offset. So if you wear any Hockers, you could probably guarantee that that's what they are. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. Um, and that's something to consider. So at the moment, I don't really have too many niggles. I think I mentioned my perineal before. And yeah, that's something that I could totally get on the whole um, high pitch shoe. Would probably make it feel a little bit better. But I'm not, yeah, I'm not really concerned about that right now. But yeah, the Hocker Mac 5s, I'm loving them. They're 5 mil offset. They're a neutral shoe. They feel quite lightweight, soft, comfy. I've actually got them in a wide. I've never worn a wide shoe before, but... It was all that the shop had. Um, shout out to Pace Athletic. And I just just thought I'd try them on and they felt so comfy. And I was like, oh, maybe I've been a wide my whole life and I didn't know it. So anyway, they're awesome. I love them. They're just my absolute go-tos. Um, as, as well as those on the road, I do actually wear my Nike Reacts a little bit too. They're probably a little bit heavier and a bit of a firmer feel. They've got an eight mil offset. So that's a good one just to change that offset between my, between my shoes. 
Uh, what else do I wear on the road? I wear the Saucony Guides. Now, they are a supportive shoe. So they've got sort of like a medial post, which means there's like a medial part of the shoe, which is a bit firmer density. So it helps to um, decrease overpronation, which I don't really have an issue with, but I just ended up with them and I actually really like how they feel. So they're probably a little bit more firmer feel, not as reactive as the Nike Reacts, as you'd probably expect, but they're just a really nice, comfy, everyday shoe. Um, the other ones that I wear sometimes on the road are my Nike Pegasus, which I feel like you can't go too wrong. They're an 8mm offset. I'm not sure what the weight are of them. I'm not even sure what model I've got. I think I've got like 37, so they're quite old now. Um, but yeah, they're a good one. I really actually quite like my pegs. I feel like I have to be in the mood for it, but I do really enjoy them too. So that's sort of what I'm changing up between on the road. And I like that because they're all a little bit different. I've got some port. I've got some more cushion ones. I've got high pitch, mid pitch, and I enjoy that variety. In the bush, I have some torrents. I've also got some speed goats. Probably the main difference between those. Um, gosh, I've got the speed goat three. So I think the new ones are so different. But the speed goat threes, oh, I've just loved them the whole time I've had them. They're so old now. And they have been burnt on the campfire multiple times because I've taken them camping quite a few times because they're so comfortable and I've put my foot in the fire by mistake and melted a lot of the shoe. So despite that, they still feel so comfortable, um, even though they're melted and falling apart. But they are sort of like a plusher, more cushioned shoe. Uh, I think they've got a five mil drop as well. And yeah, super cushioned, quite heavy and bulky. Um, They're definitely not, well... They're not my most fashionable shoe, but they're just, I just love them. They're great, but I've had them forever. I could do with an update. If anyone's got any recommendations, feel free to recommend. Uh, And I alternate them with my Torrents, which are a little bit lighter weight, same stack height, but just a bit lighter. And then again, my Speed Instincts, which you guys have probably never worn them or heard of them because they are like the previous thing before the Torrents. And they're lighter weight again. They've got a really nice ground feel and they're quite flat. I feel like they're like four or five mil drop and I just love them. I feel like they're my favorite pair of shoes and they are so, so, so old. Anyway, that's what I wear in the trails. I actually could do with a new pair of trail shoes because as you heard, I'm wearing three pairs of hockers. They will have different amounts of cushioning, but not much difference in stack height. So that could be something that I would consider updating. Now, as for my sort of performance shoe, I've got some Asics Metaspeed Skies, which I really like. Now they have a carbon plate and again, a five mil offset. So I've got a lot in the five mil offsets, um, but yeah, love them. I've only worn them a few times for, I think I wore them at the Melbourne uh, Marathon Festival where I did the 10K and I've worn them for like a, a 5K time trial before. And yeah, they're awesome. They're great. They feel really bouncy and fast and I feel like I sort of run up on the ball of my feet a lot more when I'm in them in saying that I've also only run in them when I'm like running hard so sometimes I think that's hard to truly compare to your other shoes because I feel like they feel really springy and fast but I think it's also because every time I've been wearing them I've been in the fast zone so it'd be cool to just go for like an everyday jog just to see how they feel but I also enjoy like savoring them for like you know the hard runs Okay, so they're my main shoes. Um, another one or another sort of area is like my gym shoes. Now in the gym, I wear Metcons, Metcon Freeze. Now I'm actually not too sure what these are, but they do definitely have a bit of a stack height. I'm going to guess 
eight mils um, because they're Nike. Now, they have got quite a bit of flex through the toe, but they've got a really nice grip because essentially, I mean, these shoes are good for squatting, probably not as much for deadlifts because they're not flat. And yeah, ideally you want a flatter shoe for a deadlift, but they're nice for a squat because they've got a bit of a, um, a bit of a sort of heel raise, but I can't tell you what the actual heel raise is. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, they're definitely a a good sort of go-to shoe that I wear in the gym and I don't wear my joggers in the gym. I know a lot of runners do tend to wear their joggers, but, um, a few reasons. One is I want to save my running shoes for running and two the Metcons are just better in the gym. They're firmer. They're not as soft and spongy. You don't need soft and spongy in the gym. So that's just another little aside. I also, what else do I wear in the gym? I think they're the main ones. Uh, I guess I'm just telling you that because, yeah, it's just another thing that my foot is exposed to. Now, I also wear um, my Vivo Bare Feet shoes or Barefoot. So I wear the Primus Light 3 and they have zero mil stack height. So they are completely flat. They've got a wide toe box and they're super, super flexible. Now, these are probably actually my favorite shoe and my most comfortable shoe, which is why I left them to last because they're my favorites. They have got very little cushioning, which is probably something that most people would need to get used to. And I definitely had to get used to that. I know when I first put them on, I was like, oh, wow, it feels like I'm wearing no shoes. Like it's just a bit of a weird feeling. But now that I'm used to them and going back to those principles at the start about, you know, your body can adapt to anything. You just need to give it time, patience and consistency. And I've given it all those things. And yeah, I find them super comfortable. I wear them all the time. I actually wear them as my work shoe and alternating with like my gym shoes. So I usually wear them on my days that I'm deadlifting and when else? Yeah, just when I'm working in the practice, when I'm working in the gym, when I'm taking classes and just like if I'm doing errands and bits and pieces, I wear them. Uh, Another thing, I also go barefoot sometimes. (laughs) Uh, When I say barefoot, it's like mostly just like when I'm at the beach slash when I'm like going surfing or swimming and walking along the sand quite frequently barefoot which again is like another opportunity for my foot to be exposed to varied terrain. So I guess the summary there of all that is that I have across my shoes, I've got some with a high pitch, some with a lower pitch, some barefoot, some really flexible, some more cushioned, some firmer. And I do that very intentionally. It's not something that has just randomly happened. It's something that I have made quite a conscious choice because I have actually seen the benefits anecdotally I've gotten less and less injured over the years and the last couple of years I've really made an effort to have more training shoots and I would recommend that for anyone now I know I've just mentioned I don't even want to know how many shoes I haven't even like there are so many more shoes that I have as well which is just ridiculous but they're the main ones they're my main go shoes and if I was listening to this two years ago I would have been like why do you have so many shoes like who can afford that many shoes and also like storing that many shoes like why like where do they all go like that is just way too much and also too many choices in the morning and I I still partly agree with that I'm definitely more of a minimalist in every other aspect of my life I don't like to have too many things I don't like to have too many decisions I just want to put my same pair of socks on every single day my same pair of tights same sports bra etc I don't like the overwhelm of decisions, but when it comes to my health and injury prevention, if there's anything I can do to improve my 
rate of injury or reduce my rate, then it's something I'm definitely going to do. And I should also say that I have definitely gotten um, some very heavily discounted shoes over the years. I used to work at the Coast Runner Shop, as probably a lot of you guys know, in Kalani Vale. And yeah, I got a lot of good discounts. And what else? I've definitely had some freebie shoes and yeah, just some good discounts. So I definitely have not spent, I don't think I've bought a full price pair of shoes for a long time. So I guess what I'm saying is if I was paying full price for my shoes, I probably would have less shoes. But in saying that, I would still prioritize having at least, I mean, I shouldn't say at least, but maybe another pair, you know, and something different to what you normally go for. I think probably the biggest take home is like your, your body does like to have variety. And so if you can give it variety in some way, maybe you can't afford to buy a new pair of shoes, but maybe you're just going to vary up your terrains or you're going to um, sort of go day on day off with a certain, with your two pairs of shoes that you do have, like alternate them back and forth. So you're exposing your body to different stresses at different times. Uh, and variety, yeah, variety in your training as well, as you guys know. Now, do you actually have a discount code for the Viva Barefoot if there is a financial limitation for you acquiring some new pairs of shoes? Uh, so you can just hit Stronger Stride and pop that into the code, the coupon section. Um, I'll put the link in the bio, in the whatever it's called, the show notes, and you can get 15% off. So um, that, and that's on the Soul Mechanics website. So you can actually have a look. They have got other shoes on there as well, not just those zero mil um, Viva Barefoot. So maybe you might find something else that you like. So definitely check that out. Uh, and as I said before, the Viva Barefoot shoes or the Viva Barefoot, they're my favorite. And I'm definitely not just saying that. I think they're not my running shoe, but they're something that I just wear every day. And I really have seen the value and I've seen it in my own experience. I've seen it with other people. I've read the research. Variety in our training, variety in our footwear is so good for our body. We really do thrive on variety and consistency. So if we can incorporate those things into our weekly training, I think it is a fantastic recipe to reduce our injury rate and enjoy running because ultimately we want to be able to just get out there, run more, and have a good time because that's what runners like to do. Okie doke. I think I've blabbed on for enough. Thank you so much for staying all the way to the end. You guys are legends. I appreciate you listening. And yeah, I'm so excited to hear what shoes you're running in. And if this inspires you to buy a new pair of shoes and you know, it doesn't have to be the flashiest, most expensive carbon plated, whatever shoe, but something different to what you normally wear. And remember um, we do still need time to get used to a new shoe. So when you do get that new shoe, even if you love it, try and sort of have it as a bit of a cycle with your other shoes and not wear it all the time. Okay. Or not wear it all the time when you first get it, try and mix it up with the other shoes. Okay. I think that is it. Uh, thank you so much for listening guys. And yeah, as always, we love your messages on Instagram, on Facebook, um, wherever they come in, the reviews on Spotify and Apple podcasts. We absolutely adore hearing from you. It really makes our day. So thank you so much for being with us all the time. We have so much in store for this year. And I feel like such a classic thing for people to say, Oh, there's so much in store, but honestly, Soph and I are working on some very exciting things and yeah, we can't wait to just put it all out there. So Thank you for being a part of the Strongest Ride family. 
and happy running. Don't forget to use the discount code Stronger Stride for 15% off your Vivo Barefoot shoes. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.